fourth watch starts now. Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on The Fourth Watch Radio Network. I hope everyone's having a blessed week. Tonight, we're going to be exposing some demonic practices of witchcraft, voodoo, and paganism that have infiltrated the modern Protestant church. We've got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and start the adventure. Submitted for the approval of The Fourth Watch Radio Network. I call this episode Churchcraft Black Magic Infiltration Tonight is the official one year anniversary of the 4th Watch Radio Show It's surreal to think that I've been producing these shows every week for a whole year Actually, it seems like I've been doing it much longer than that (laughs) But tonight we've got a pretty sobering topic that generally causes quite a shock But at the same time The subtleness and craftiness of these deceiving practices have truly caused much confusion. So tonight we want to expose the realities and clear up the lecture at hand. Joining me tonight is my good friend and network co-host, Mary Callie. Amen. Amen. And I've got an audience of one, Mary Callie. (laughs) How you doing tonight? You talking about an audience of one man? I'm a lot of people. No, I'm not. I'm just one person. Well, going by how many claps I heard over there. No, I put a little reverb on there, and I might be able to stretch it to two or three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see. I was using all my nicknames. I'm like, okay, I'm called this, 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 this. So I actually got all my nicknames here with you as well. Okay, yeah. so speaking of schizophrenia, and <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just playing. Okay, no, so we can't put that in. We're going to be talking about some different practices that have been going on in the, we're just going to say the mainstream Protestant church. And we're seeing different types of voodoo rituals, literal, literal I mean, the, the same types of things that you see in voodoo rituals uh, in the satanic temples, the voodoo temples, witchcraft covens. We're actually seeing mimics of these rituals taking place in different churches worldwide. And these churches are professing to be Christian churches. So we're going to go ahead and get started on this. And I want to go ahead and just pass the mic to Mary because she has a story that she told me the other night about, it was a childhood experience, and this is insane. She actually will never forget this experience, and she was able to just take herself right back to that moment and tell me details. So, Mary, why don't you tell us about the situation with the underwear? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you start with the draws, man. Why you start with the draws? Okay. Um, there was this preacher. We don't know where he came from. And, you know, being a child, you don't really pay attention too much to what goes on with adults when they start talking about church. You just want to play. And apparently they got a hold of this preacher. His name was, I think, Reverend Gamble, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's from down south, North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere around there. And he used to come up to where my childhood churches were. And notice I said churches because my mom went to one church, was raised in one church, and my dad was raised in another. But I classify them both as my church. You know, it's the United Methodist Church that I went to. And uh, he was a guest speaker one night. And he came in and, of course, you know, you have your regular rigmarole that goes on in the church as far as, you know, your opening hymn and selections, prayer, all that kind of stuff, offering announcements, you know, typical thing like that. And then 
he got up to preach. He would preach. And after he's done preaching and whatnot, it became like an altar call, went right into altar call. And of course, you know, you get people who come up, you know, as typical, you know, they come up and they are like, you know, yeah, if you know, if you would like to come up for prayer or if you need Reverend Campbell to pray for you, whatever, you can come up. People started coming up. I'm going to tell you something. This guy creeped me out. I mean, when I say creep me out, creep me out, you get a feeling about something. And I, I, I got something to say to parents right now. Don't disregard when your children start acting strange around someone that they don't know. There might be something going on with that person because children have a tendency to pick up on a lot that we have become numb to because uh, we've been exposed to a lot more than what the child has been exposed to. So therefore, they're a little bit more sensitive, I think. This guy creeped me out. He would look at you. Like he's looking through you, almost like trance-like state type deal, you know, just weird. People were in line to, you know, get their prayer and whatnot. And he would look at them like, you know, if you came up and said, you know, like there was this one lady. I can't remember which lady it was. Actually, I can, but I I prefer not to say. And um, it was relative. And they came up for prayer. And apparently there was an issue going on where someone could not leave the house. No matter what, they just couldn't leave the house. This preacher was looking at her and looking at her and looking at her and looking at her. And he says, in your yard, there is something buried. Now, see, I'm a kid and I know that's not right. <laughs> OK, <laughs> you, you, you're not from here and you can tell me there's something buried in my yard. You know, that's not right. I know that for a fact. You need to go and look. And he told this lady, the area in which she needs to dig up and she will find that there is something buried in the yard. So enough, she did it. And there was a pair of underwear buried in the yard. Somebody had put a spell on the individual in the house that prevented them from leaving the house. Every time they went past a certain point where that underwear was buried, they would get really, really sick. And so they would have to go back in the house. That's what was happening. But the freaky thing about it was this so-called preacher knew this. Now, you talk about some voodoo, clairvoyant, I don't know what he was type person. He also um, did things like would tell people to mix up certain concoctions or if you have this and that. And oh, <laughs> Justin, I didn't tell you this one. He had, I guess somebody had an illness. They just couldn't shake the illness. No matter what it was, they just, this was like the second time he came back. The second time he came back, people found out about what he did for this one person and the church was packed. And this time the line was really long, you know? And he told this one lady, the reason why she's having the issues that she's having as far as her illness is because somebody put roots on her and this is what she needs to do told her to go get a mason jar, filled it up with some stuff. I don't know what he said. You know, you're a kid. You don't really pay attention, but you know, he, you know, the word mason jar, but you don't know the ingredients. Told her to fill it up with something or do something or put something in it or whatever. Told her to drink it and her problems will be over. Apparently this woman did this. And what came out of her was some sort of snake like looking thing. Now, here's the thing. 
That's voodoo beyond voodoo. First of all, to have some sort of man come into you, supposed to be the house of God, and give you voodoo remedies as far as I'm concerned. Because see, I'm older now. I understand what this stuff is. I don't take that stuff lightly. And he would put his hands on people too, just to let you know. If you're a member of a church, or even if you do go to church from time to time and not a member, before you enter the doors of that church, ask God for some wisdom and understanding and some discernment to see if you really need to be there. Because that might not be the place for you. Because there might be some stuff going on in that church that just ain't right. Let me just interject real quick. First of all, this pastor, this evangelist, whatever you want to call him, he obviously had an idea of some pretty specific details. Now, this isn't necessarily a long shot in and of itself. The first thing that comes to mind, I think back to the book of Acts. I think of the girl that had the spirit of divination. She was able to speak things. I mean, she knew things that were outside of a normal person's ability. She was able to soothsay, give fortunes, look into the future because of a demon that was inside of her. Now, that was the first thing that crossed my mind. But I've been in situations. I remember I was going to a grocery store one night and I I felt the Holy Spirit tell me I needed to. There was a, a woman that was coming out of a barbershop. And she was closing down. She was like the manager or something. So I felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to go pray with her right now. And and I'd never had this happen before, ever in my life. And I was real nervous, but I said, okay. So I just pulled my car up to the curb and I walked over to her and I said, ma'am, I said, this is going to sound absolutely nuts. And I had my friend with me and we had just got out of Bible study. We we're having a home Bible study. We were coming to pick up some snacks and then go back and, and hang out in fellowship. So I walked up to her and I said, this is going to sound crazy, but the Holy Spirit just just gave me a strong unction on my heart that I needed to come over here and I needed to pray for you. And she started to cry. I wow. mean, she just started to cry. She dropped her bags and said, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And she said, I need this right now. You have no idea. And I, I'm getting chills actually right now telling you guys this story. And uh, so uh, I, I said, OK, look, I'm going to you know, I'm going to put my hands on your shoulder. I put a hand on her shoulder and then I put a hand on my buddy's shoulder and then he put a hand on her shoulder and we all bowed our heads and I just started praying. And it was like I was getting these these words from the Holy Spirit directly coming out of my prayer. I didn't even know what I was praying for. And I started to pray things about her specifics about her health and different and finances and family relationships and different things that I mean, I would have never known any of this. And she was just bawling like a baby. And as soon as I said, amen. It was like we all looked up and there's a police officer standing right behind us with his car right by mine. And I'm like, oh, boy, I'm about to get a ticket. Yeah. Uh, you know, not only am I praying out in a public place, but I'm also parking illegally in a fire lane. And he said, this is amazing. And I said, excuse me. He said, what I just witnessed here, he says, this is the work of God right here. He said, do you mind if I jump in and, and get next? And I said, what do you mean? What? I said, I said, you want to pray with us? He goes, no, I need you to pray for me just the way you prayed for her. And I, I said, wow, come on, come on. So now we have a circle of four people and I'm, I'm praying for this gentleman. And the Lord put a specific knowledge in my spirit. I just knew that he had this injury. And so I started praying for this injury and some of the details. Now, this is insane. I, I, it was just coming out. It was just, I mean, holy fire of the Holy Spirit came down in this parking lot. And I'm just like, it was almost like prophetic prayer. I've never experienced this in my life. He starts crying like a baby. And this guy's like 275 pounds. I mean, he's tall. He's football player built. He's just wailing and flailing. 
I mean, just crying like a baby. And I got done and he just said, thank you, thank you, thank you. He said, how did you know all that? And I said, I don't even know exactly what I just prayed for. Wow. And he said, that was the Holy Ghost. And I said, amen, it was. And he gave me his card. He goes, would you please, would you mind calling and checking up on me every once in a while? And I was like, absolutely. I live right down the street. It's a small community. I said, I, I, would, I would be more than happy to. So I say all that to say that was not me. That was the Holy Ghost. Okay. I mean, that, that was clearly the Holy Spirit. No question about it. I was sensitive to the calling of the Holy Spirit. So when we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and we're operating the way the body of Christ is meant to operate, it's not uncommon to see these types of miracles happen. I need to make that clear. But the thing is, is the reason we don't see these types of miracles happen is because, first of all, we don't have faith. Okay, I I can't explain it. I was in a place in life where my faith was so strong. I mean, I'm, I can't tell you. I was preaching everywhere. I mean, everywhere I would go on the street, I would try to witness. I was witnessing to my classmates in college. And people people either loved me or they hated me. So, I mean, right. People either got under strong conviction and they didn't want to talk about it. Or they would, they would just, you know, love it. So God can work the same way today that he worked 2000 years ago. That's something we all need to know. But what we need to also realize is that when we see a preacher who's operating in what we'll call something like the prophetic, where he knows these things, he's speaking about this particular situation in your yard. There's something buried over here. That, that's a little strange if you take Mm -hmm. that and then you, you add to the equation. The fact that he's telling people to do voodoo-like rituals. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, for him to tell, okay, so basically to break the curse, you got to go out, you got to dig up these underwear, mm-hmm. and you got to bring them back inside. Now, mm-hmm. as Christians, we know that that's not how you break a curse. That's straight up witchcraft. Surely. Now, go ahead. You, you mentioned something else, and this is really interesting because, I mean, we got the potions. Mm-hmm. We've got the alchemy. We've mm-hmm. got we've got the voodoo breaking the curse, and we know that in voodoo religion and witchcraft, they will bury certain items in the yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a fact. But you said something else that really sparked my attention uh, about the freezer. Yeah, take the underwear, and, and and if you want to keep the person coming home, what you do is you take that. Now, this is what I heard. Now, take the underwear and put it in a plastic bag and put it in the freezer. Wait, wait, wait. You said if you want to keep that person coming home. Let's just go right. ahead and, t- and let's just get the cat out of the bag. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was a man mm-hmm. and a woman involved here. Two women, mm-hmm. one man. Okay. Right. The woman who was attending the church service, she was the wife of the man. Right. They were married and he apparently had been cheating on her with this other woman. Mm-hmm. And she knew it. She knew that her husband was cheating on her. And this other man, the man in the church, the pastor... He was telling her the reason that the guy couldn't leave the house was because something was buried in the yard. It was a curse. Right. So here's where it gets interesting. The woman who he was having an affair with, she apparently was involved in some type of witchcraft as well. She's the one who put the underwear in the yard. Yep. She's the one who put the curse on the guy. Yep. Now, what's crazy about this is it's a love triangle. Okay. That I mean, right off the bat, love triangles are sinful. They're satanic. But for this pastor to tell her if you want to keep him coming back to you you want to keep your husband your husband you got to take that same pair of underwear and put it in the freezer in a bag so basically he's saying remove one curse and then place your own curse mm-hmm. in the home another, yep. 
So pastors don't operate that way. So for anybody listening who's saying, oh, well, the guy had to get the prophecy. No, you don't, you don't have to get the prophecy when you're operating in witchcraft. So we, we basically, we, we lay out the equation, we lay out all the evidence, and this is what we're left with. And I'm going to tell you this too, Satan also can give you a word. You know, not, a lot of people think they get their word from God. You know, God gave me a word. You know, God told me to do this. Are you sure? Are you sure? Test it. Test it with the scripture. Test it like you ain't give it the acid test. I mean, put it through it. Don't just say, okay, yeah, God told me to do this and God, is it him? Is it really? Put it, I mean, look for it in scripture. Like, like Justin said, if it ain't in the book, mm mm. Well, this, this also goes back to, and we're not going to go into great detail on this topic because we are going to do a show on this later on, but Mary Callie got an email from somebody uh, about a month ago, roughly. And it's a woman who had never heard of our shows. Okay. She didn't know about the fourth watch radio network. Didn't know who Justin fall was. Didn't know who Mary Callie was. Knew nothing about us, but she was led to write Mary Callie on Facebook. And apparently this woman had been getting messages from God, was it? Yeah. Or was it an angel? I don't remember. It, 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 I can't, I can't hardly remember what it is. I'm going to have to go back and check it out. But she was getting messages either from God or an angel. I can't even remember what it is, to be honest with you, because it didn't even sound right. But the messages were totally unbiblical. It was. It I mean, was. That's why I say it didn't sound right. And so we obviously, and these things have been happening for quite some time, and she didn't really know if it was a bad thing or not, but she was convinced that it was God. And she claimed to be a born-again Christian. See, this is what happens when you don't test every spirit with the Word of God. That's the problem we see in the church. you got to test everything with Scripture. That's the bottom line that I want to make very clear. And this next story I'm going to tell, this is insane. I mean, this is absolutely mind-blowing. Some of you, depending on your age, may be familiar with a televangelist by the name of Popoff. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that sounds funny. Okay, Popoff. Yeah, that's... And the fact is, this guy is a Popoff. I'm going to say <laughs> He's a Popoff. But what we're dealing with here is a guy who... He's a pros- one of these prosperity guys. And he's always trying to get your money. Always. So this guy, this guy's name is the great Reverend Peter Popoff. And it's late one night. I'm in college. I'm watching television in bed, just skimming the channels. And this guy's on there offering to mail me a magical miracle green prayer handkerchief or cloth. I don't remember what he called it. And it was guaranteed to bring me financial success. As long as I got this green magical cloth that he has prayed over and that he is blessed, if I hold on to it when I pray, I'm going to get financial blessings. And that's why they made it green, because he associated the color green with success. So I, I'm like, okay, this guy's crazy. And he just wants my mailing address, obviously. And I didn't think about it at the time. But I went ahead, I called the number. Now, I wasn't buying into this. I, I knew this was a total hoax, but I just wanted to get the package that he was going to send me because I was curious. So I call in. I give him my mailing address, my information. I get this envelope in the mail. We're talking maybe... Not even a week later. I mean, we're talking the dude almost overnighted it to me. <laughs> and that that's not cheap when you consider how many people he's mailing these things to. So exactly. the envelope comes in and anybody who has seen like a, a movie or a TV show where there's been mafia and drug dealers, they'll hand an envelope full of money and the envelope is like bulging. Mm-hmm. There's so much yeah. money in that envelope that it's about to rip apart. 
that's what this envelope looked like. It, this thing was so fat stuffed. And I said, wow, how did he get all this in here? So I opened it and it was almost like I just got back from trigger treating and I'm dumping out all my, all my candies and trinkets. That's what it was yes. like. And so I, and I don't, I don't condone trick or treating by the way, <laughs> but uh, I empty out this envelope and it was an array of, it was like a goodie bag from a party, all these little things in there. And I got the miracle, I got, I got my miracle handkerchief and it was some cheap little, probably made in China, probably dyed with lead paint. But I open up the letter and there's like a six page letter and they printed this thing to look like it was handwritten. That's how they roll. They got this, this computer software where they type in the name, it's a name database of all the people mm-hmm. that, that they mail to, and it will place your name specifically in every other sentence. And it looks like it's handwritten with an ink pen. I mean, this we're talking about hardcore, a lot of planning went into this operation. And I'm reading through it in every other sentence, it's talking about Justin this, Justin that, God told me this for you, Justin. I mean, a total hustle. And we're talking about a guy who's preying on little old women and, and, and just the, the people who don't have anybody to talk to and they're seeking some kind of hope. And this is the guy they, they come across. And six pages, he's talking about all these things that I need to physically do to earn God's grace, God's favor, to get prosperity. And part of that included sowing a major seed into his company. And that's what I call it. I call it a company because it's, it's not a ministry. It's, right. if it, if you want to call it a ministry, it's a satanic ministry, but it's totally, it's a company. And so anyway, long story short, I kind of laughed it off. I showed, I showed my brother the stuff. Not even a week later, I get another jumbo envelope in the mail. Now I received quite a few of these over the course of a couple months. And what happened was I wasn't sending any money. So eventually they stopped. They stopped sending me the care packages. But let's talk about the care packages, Mary, because this is where it gets really crazy. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about tonight? We're talking about voodoo and witchcraft practices and rituals amongst these so-called Christian churches and ministries. Right. Now, anybody that listens to Mary Callie's show, she always rattles those Bible pages. I'm sure you all know. Well, you're about to hear my envelopes. <laughs> I got a few of these envelopes left. Okay, I just got to say it. Um, I lost quite a few of these when I moved. I wish I still had them all. But I'm going to kind of just go through a few things that, that actually came in the mail from Peter Popoff because he actually sent things to me that were meant for me to practice a satanic ritual in my home in order to achieve blessings. And I'm going to prove that right now. So in one of the envelopes, I'm just going to go ahead and pull this stuff out. Okay, in one of the envelopes, there is a giant $1 million bill. Okay, now... It's obviously fake, but it's printed to look just like a real money. I mean, it looks like real money, but it's it's obviously fake. And it's got a picture of President Wilson on it. And what's interesting about this, it's he sent this in the in the envelope to encourage people that they could get a million dollars from God. Okay? So this is like a little placeholder. This is meant to cause you to lust and seek after a million dollars. That's the bottom line. He wants you to pray for a million dollars. And he gave you this piece of paraphernalia to encourage you to get started. But what's really interesting here is that I have a red envelope. And on the, on the this was an envelope within an envelope. Okay, you open the white envelope. This was inside of there. And it's got a seal, like what you would see on, on a scroll. And the seal says, do not break this seal until you read my letter. 
And of course, it's another six to ten page letter with my name in it. Interestingly, the letter asked me to cut off a lock of my hair. Place, I'm, I'm going to read this little envelope, okay? It's got a picture of Samson pushing down the, the pillars. And it says, Samson's strength, just like yours, was in a hidden place. His hair. Oh. Now, 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 bear with me here. This is the instructions. Place one small strand of your hair in this blessed envelope. For me to use as my point of contact. What? God will reveal to me your strengths and talents as I use this living part of you as my contact point. What? Place your lock of hair in this envelope and seal this envelope and put it in the reply envelope provided. What? Okay, does anybody, has anybody ever heard of voodoo rituals where they need a lock of someone's hair? Yes! Santeria, Palomayamba... I mean, th- we're going. I mean, we're going back to African roots religion here. Yes, you are. You are taking it way back in the jungle somewhere. And now, let me let me just correct something that this knucklehead said. He's going to use this living part of you. Okay, whoa, stop. Your hair is dead. By the time you see your hair, yeah, uh, it's it a is. dead cell coming right out of your your scalp. But anyway, that was the first thing that really just caught my attention because we know that, that strands of people's hair is used in satanic rituals. Now, there's even been situations in movies and horror movies where you get a little bit of New Age truth. And it's not a truth, but according to the New Age, it's a truth. That's what I'm saying. Where there's been a ghost that keeps haunting somebody. We'll come to find out, oh, they've kept a lock of this person's hair somewhere in a photo album. I've always known that was demonic. You don't keep somebody's hair, okay? I, I, I've got a problem with locks for love. I got a problem with cutting off your hair and giving it to somebody else. I, I just, I, it, I'm not trying to be critical of those people who want a wig made out of your hair, but in all reality, cutting off your hair and giving it to somebody else, that has roots in ritual abuse, okay? Now, when you put your hair in this envelope and you send it back to Mr. Peter Popoff, he's telling you that your strengths are about to be revealed. But no, it gets better. It gets better here. I'm opening this hair envelope now. Now, this was an envelope and an envelope and an envelope. That's <laughs> <laughs> like envelope inside of envelope. <laughs> really? Okay, so in, now you empty out this envelope, and then you put your hair in it, and you send it back. But inside of this envelope, we've got some some very interesting paraphernalia I'm going to go through now. These are like little drug bags. Probably the kind of thing you would buy, like a little bit of marijuana or crystal meth in, if I had to guess. They're like the little baggies you see in movies. It's like a miniature Ziploc baggie. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in one of them, now keep in mind, this is the envelope that's telling you to put your hair in it for a ritual. I've got a white candle, a little white candle with, let me see, two long strips that were folded up to look like six, two long strips of a dollar bill, really thin, shredded dollar bill. Okay. And they're with a little white candle. That money being burned with this candle is a satanic ritual that's going to bring me prosperity. That right there needs to let you know something is very seriously wrong. And the sad thing about it is you have people who would actually do that. Now, you have discernment and you also know the word of God, so therefore you're not going to get caught up in this. But look at the thousands or millions of people who have done this and are probably having some sort of demonic infestation go on in their house now. Or even with them. 
So this is this is not something to play with people. I mean, you know, Justin took a chance. I mean, like he said, he really he just wanted to see what what was going to come. It was research. It was all research based. I can assure every one of you that that's the only reason that I that I even called in. Right. It's research. But you get some people who they're not researching. They're searching. They want prosperity so bad. They're willing to do, you know, oh, what's the you know, what's the what's the you know, it's not going to hurt to to burn this. It's not a you know, it's a candle. You you don't know what he said over that candle. But he's telling you to burn it. it. You're supposed to burn it with these strips of money. I mean, what in the world are we dealing with here? Sending in your locks of hair. I've heard of people being asked for their fingernails. Literally being sent, being, I mean, seriously, they want, you know, when you clip your fingernails, they want pieces. They want your fingernails. What do you want my nails for? Okay. Okay. You know what? I got to I got to just say this. Uh, I got more. I got more. There's more here, folks. Really? Yeah. No, it's about to get even worse. I'm saving the, I'm saving the best for the last. I'm I'm working into it. Okay. I've got a, goodness, goodness. I got another little bag with a button in it. Okay. Now this button is a point of contact. For Mr. Peter Popoff. Like, I'm supposed to believe that this button came off of one of his probably million-dollar suits. <laughs> so I now have a point of contact for him, which is a button. Now, I guarantee that someone in his company went out and bought probably 200,000 buttons that all looked alike, a big mm-hmm. case of them, put them in these little drug bags, and sent them out. So now I've got a candle to burn with money for... I, I'm, I'm just going to leave that alone because yeah, just, just don't. because just it's, don't. it's actually there, it, something's about to intertwine here. I don't want to give away the goat. Okay, so I got a white candle with shredded money that I'm supposed to burn. Okay, I got his button. It's point of contact. Then I have now I'm opening this right now. This is going to blow your mind, folks. And listen, if anybody wants to see this, I will be glad to take pictures and post this on Facebook because you're not even going to believe me. I've got a red candle. In a little white envelope. Man, that sounds like some voodoo stuff down in Haiti. Okay, now let me let me just let me just say, okay, I got the red candle now, but it's not just a red candle. You guys are going to lose it when I tell you what else is in the bag. What's in the bag? Just what's in the bag? It's got a red piece of yarn, like a little like like what they what they use in Kabbalah. <laughs> I've got a piece of red yarn that I'm supposed to wrap around this red candle. Just like I'm telling you, this is straight up Kabbalah now. We're, we're now dealing with, okay, it could be a love spell because in voodoo, the red candles are used for love spells. Man, I, I'm about, you know what I'm getting ready to do? I'm getting ready to just throw this microphone across the room and just break it up. Are you serious? I got it right here. I got it right here. Now, I'm going to take it a step further. I did a little looking into this. Okay. There's some kind of a there's some kind of a video game or something. It's got a cult following called The Binding of Isaac. Okay, I don't know I don't know anything about it, but in the game there's a ritual involving a red candle being lit and then moved up over the character's head. Basically, the, you activate it in the game. This is a ritual you perform in the game. And again, I, I don't know everything about this. I'm just telling you what I found. Isaac will raise the red candle above his head. And it has something to do with it's a ritual. Okay, now I, I'm telling you that this has nothing to do with the video game. I'm just making a point that red candles are used in satanic rituals. They're color coded, and I got a piece of Kabbalah yarn in here. And if you go to the Kabbalah website, you can buy these little pieces of red yarn for top dollar so that you can tie them around your wrist. Okay, now moving on, we got more. Then I got a green candle. 
Dude, stop. No, no. Stop it. You hear this? Stop it. You hear this? That's another envelope. Okay, so I've got a green candle now, and it's a little cracked and smushed because it, it, look, guys, I, I moved, and it got pushed to the bottom of a box, but I've got a green, and these are like the little candles that you'd see on a cupcake or something. Okay, I've got a green candle with a green piece of yarn. Now, anybody that knows about green candles, okay, a green candle generally represents wealth and prosperity, some type of, of gain, generally speaking. Right. Okay, but in magic... You can actually perform a money spell officially. Uh, you can you can look into this, there, but there's a lot of magic involving green candles, okay? And there's symbolism in the green candle, not just about money, but I'm taking you guys over to the Psychic Revelation website, okay? Now again, I just I I would not be on this website if I wasn't trying to make a point. So bear with me here. Let me tell you what it says. For centuries, candles of different colors have been burned to attract desired emotions, material wealth, or karma. Candles can be one of the most effective tools used for meditation, for rituals, and other ceremonies. The size of the candles you use is not important. It is the color and its meaning that matters. Boom. The size is not important. Peter Popoff knew that when he sent us these tiny little cupcake candles. But he knew that the colors were important. This man was trying to infiltrate satanic practices in your home by sending these out. Now let me go on. Only fresh candles should be used. This avoids issues with candles that have picked up negative energies and vibrations interfering with the ritual or meditation and adversely affecting the outcome. This is, this is totally occultic. They're talking about candles. Oh, yeah. Somehow oh, yeah. candles uh, somehow can collect energy. Now, in Christian terms, that will be demonic presences, okay? Yes. And vibrations. And, and vibrations is another New Age term that they connect vibrations and energies, but what we know they are is there. It's demonic presences. Demonic, yep. Traditionally, candles should be lit with matches and should not, they should be snuffed out, not blown out. Now, this is just supernatural hocus pocus, okay? Now, here we go. Meditate and establish a psychic link between the candle and yourself. Be specific in what you ask for and don't get too greedy. Do not use candles to put negative energy onto others. Always be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Now, this man is sending these candles out. They're color-coded. They're, they're made for ritual use. And he's wanting you to pray and ask for things. He wants you to, I mean, with a green candle, you're asking for wealth and prosperity. With a red candle, you're asking for blessings on a loved one or you're asking for love. You're, you're wanting to seal the deal with somebody. So, let me just break down. I'm just going to break down the three candles. Dude, are, are you going to tell me there's a black candle next? No, I wish. I wish there was because oh that would really goodness. just. But you know what? I mean, let me, let's just be honest here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's a black or not because we got a green, a red, and a white. So exactly. Let me just explain what these candles represent. Okay. Here we go. Red represents physical pleasures. It can stimulate lust, courage, or strength against enemies. Red candles can confer passion, love, and or respect. Red candles stimulate energy, health, fertility, and willpower. Red candles also draw Aries and Scorpio energy. They increase magnetism in rituals. The red candle infers sex, vibrancy, 
and survival. That's the, that's your red candle right there. Now let me take you down to the white. This is where it gets crazy. The white candle had strips of dollar bills with it. Now this is right off the psychicrevelation.com website. Not that you need to go on here, but if you're curious, be my guest. And, and put, I, I got to do a little disclaimer here. Justin is going over some sensitive stuff. Please, guys, don't try this. Yeah, we're not telling you to go burn these candles. We're telling don't you. Don't do it. This don't, is the even, kind of, don't even go out to the craft store and say, well, you know, I mean, because I know you're going to get some people who listen to the show and they may not be Christians per se, but they might just go out and try this. Do not try this stuff. No, and, and seriously, I know we, we've got more than a handful of listeners that are not Christians. And hey, we look, we love you just the same, okay? Yes. If you're listening right now and you're not a follower of Yeshua, we love you the same. We care about you, and we are so pleased that you're listening. And it, it just it ministers to me to know that you're listening. I get emails from people that tell me, I'm not a Christian, but I love your show. And, and that's right. awesome. And listen, we never go over this information to entice anybody to try this. Because if you try this, you will mm. get torn to shreds. That's all I'm going to say. You will be demonized, and you will have yep. to go through a massive deliverance if you start practicing these things. Yes. But now, here we go. The white candle, and this is in their own words. This is the New Age lingo. This has the highest consciousness. Again, we're talking about a candle here. This white candle has the highest consciousness to protect, to purify, and to heal. It represents truth, unity, protection, peace, purification, happiness, and spirituality. Some say it can be used to replace any color candle in any ritual. Used for concentrated rituals and meditation work. The white candle is also lunar energy. So, we've got these candles that are straight up. I mean, these are right out of the occult books. Now, the green candle, I've given you a rundown, but let me just, let me just bust it out real quick. The green candle promotes prosperity, fertility, and success. Stimulates good luck. It can increase your money, your harmony, and rejuvenation. It also represents healing, health, and growth. It can be an important component in rituals involving Venus. Oh, well, that's pretty healthy. <laughs> the, the green candle can also attract love in the ritual and social delights. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we've got these candles all sent courtesy of Peter Popoff Ministries, and he is encouraging us to take part in rituals with them thinking that we're serving God, but in reality, we're serving Satan. This is bringing in satanic voodoo rituals, witchcraft rituals into the church, into your home. All right, so we got, we got uh, two more, three more things to talk about here for this particular story. I've got a piece of royal purple ribbon. It's got a little pin, like a little clothes pin for you to pin it inside your clothes mm -hmm. and wear this thing underneath your clothes. And the color purple and witchcraft is used to obtain desires, power, and success. According to the witchcraft manuals, purple can stimulate idealism and psychic manifestations and help make contact with the spiritual world. Purple increases enthusiasm, desire, and power. It is also powerful for healing and spiritual development. Now, the interesting thing, now, this is where it really hits home. This is the whole point I'm getting at. Peter Popoff wants you to wear this. He wants you to wear this cursed object that he has cursed. And let me tell you what people use this for. This is right here from PsychicRevelation.com, and we're moving off of this site very quickly. Some attempt to use purple items for power over others. This purple ribbon was meant for you to wear 
so that he can have power over you. That's my take on this. And I'm getting this information right out of the New Age publications. All right, now, two more things. We have this thing called, it's another little baggie, a smaller baggie, and it has what looks like an Alka-Seltzer. But the Alka-Seltzer has words pressed into it, and it says Insta Cloth. This is an instant prayer cloth. You can take this thing in your pocket anywhere you go. And if you need a miracle or a blessing, you drop this into water and it expands into a full-blown cloth that's blessed by Peter Popoff. And when you expand this thing in water, the magic takes place and you've got a blessed cloth you can use anywhere, anytime. It's it's like a single use only. When you get into a pinch, drop this into water and alakazam, you've got a miracle prayer cloth. You can touch it, drop it on somebody and boom, instant miracle. I just find it to be quite odd that um, people actually fall for this. But then again, when you're spiritually dead, you'll fall for anything. And that's what we see here. We see this man feeding on the weak. Mm -hmm. And let me say, there's no rest for the wicked, folks. There is no rest for the wicked. I guarantee you this guy has a team of of staff members that are working day and night, coming up with these divisive plots. And you see, when you get deeper into it, you realize that what this is, is this is... This is magic. This Mm -hmm. is satanic, witchcraft, voodoo, ritual magic. Straight up black magic, folks. And this has made its way into the houses of people who are seeking God. But the thing is, is they're seeking God based on what they're being taught on television. They're not seeking God based on the word of God. They're seeking God based on what these these knuckleheads are teaching them. And I really got to watch myself because I want to go off and start calling some names. But that's I know what you I know you do. But, you know, that's that's not how I'm supposed to act here. But here's the bottom line. We've got these satanic rituals taking place. These cursed objects have made their way into people's homes. And this was this was like six years ago. I still have all of this from six years ago because I knew at some point I was going to be able to use this to expose this man. But this kept coming. I mean, we're talking about for about three, maybe four months, I kept getting these satanic care packages. And this was stuff that this guy's broadcasting on Trinity Broadcasting. He's broadcasting not just there, but he's broadcasting on these other so-called Christian networks that... We'll let any Johnny-come-lately come on if they have money. As long as you can pay your broadcast fees for airtime, boom, you got a swat. I mean, th- this is just, we're dealing with criminals and crooks, but it's a lot more than that. We're not just dealing with a man who wants to take your money. We're dealing with a man who is operating in the demonic realm. He is operating with black magic, and he's bringing rituals to individual lifestyles and homes. Ugh. We're going to talk about... A particular pastor, and this is really interesting because this we're talking about a pastor here who made his congregation eat grass, and he made them eat the grass to make them get closer to God, and then shortly after, he used them as human carpet. He was getting them all to lay down to get walked on, and now he's got them drinking petrol. And this is just from this last year. These practices are, are and this this, this uh, petrol event is is very recent. But let's just let's break this down real quick, okay? Pastor Lesego Daniel, he poured some of this liquid into a bucket, and then he dropped a match into it, and it blew up on fire. He was proving to his congregation that this was petrol, and then what he did was unveil another miracle to the congregation. He told them that the petrol had been turned into pineapple juice and he persuaded people to line up and drink it from the bottle. 
So these people are coming up to drink this miracle pineapple juice that he says he just turned into pineapple juice from petroleum. And he's saying that this was basically him being Jesus. Because he, he was doing what Jesus did by turning water into wine, but now he's turning petrol into pineapple juice. Now I'm gonna play I'm gonna play the clip. Okay, he's pouring the liquid in the bowl and people are getting fired up. Man. Okay, so he just dropped a match. Now, do y'all remember on the candle segment, it talked about lighting, when you're doing a ritual, you're supposed to use a match? Right. He just dropped a match into this bowl of petroleum. And, mm-hmm. it, and it lit up. Now, we all know that ain't no miracle. Okay, you, you, you spark a, you put a spark or a flame next to gas, it's gonna light on fire. Yeah, exactly. But you got all these idiot sheeple in this guy's church who probably practice voodoo in their bedrooms. And they're all cheering and cheering like Jay-Z just walked out on the stage because this petroleum <laughs> just lit on fire. It did what it was supposed to do. Exactly. It's like, big deal. <laughs> it did what it was supposed to do. It did not defy the laws of physics. <laughs> How about it? <laughs> hallelujah. Oh, and she hallelujah that. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. The fire got started. Oh, goodness. Say it into pineapple juice. The word is upon it. Okay, I just got to stop it. They're all, they're all cheering this guy on. He just poured it out of this bottle. And now the guy says, a pineapple juice. So basically, the guy just turned it into pineapple juice right there while the bottle was in his hand. And now he's taking a sip of it in front of this huge congregation. And they're all going nuts. They're going nuts. How is it? There's a lot of fumes. Did he just cough huh? and spit? He just coughed. And okay, if you just drank petrol, you probably would cough. <laughs> and he spit. You did it right. Oh, man. Well, that's some strong pineapple juice. It's a pineapple juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how is it? It's a little fumes. Okay, okay, here we go, here we go. Okay, okay, come on. Fumes? Yeah. Uh-huh. But I don't have any side effect. My words shall do what? Okay, now we got this little African chick, right? About the size. We got this little African chick about the size of a toothpick, right? Now, be be it in mind, guys. This is this is actually in South Africa. Okay, this, this all this is taking place. And yes, for those who don't know, there are black folks in South Africa. It's not just How about whites. It? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, predominantly the blacks are the minorities in South Africa. And that's odd. <laughs> yeah, dude, the blacks are the minority in South Africa. Um, but this is a black church in South Africa. And now, as soon as they declare to everybody that it's good, okay, it's a little fumey, but uh, had no side effects. Now, here, yeah. here come, yeah, exactly. Now, here comes Shanene, right? Looks like she just came running up off the crack house. And she's running up to the front of the altar. And now her legs are like running in front of her body. Okay, like her legs are like out and she, her, her upper body and her torso is like leaned almost all the way back, almost like a 90 degree angle with the ground. Whoa. Yeah. And she's like running and like dancing and doing like this voodoo dance. And she's running up because she wants to get some of that. The pineapple juice. Here we go. Here we go. Let's. Oh, you want to drink pineapple juice? <laughs> okay. Now her head is bobbing and weaving like Stacey Campbell. <laughs> and he says, do you want to drink the pineapple juice? 
And in her head, she starts headbanging. Oh, yes, give it to me, give it to me. I mean, like, it's like she's going to put it in a crack pipe. This is insane. Like, you guys need to see this video. Oh, my goodness. I mean, she, she can't even stand up straight. She's like, I mean, just like, she's all over the place. Okay. Now he's pouring the juice in her mouth, and she is doing what looks like a Shiva dance. I mean, what? look, I'm telling you guys, this is real. This chick, her eyes are closed. Her hands are doing this weird, like, shape that the Indians do when they start speaking in tongues, like the Hindus. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I mean, and you can't, her feet are blurry because they keep moving around like a ballerina. This is crazy. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Is it nice? How does it taste like? It's sweet. Is it sweet? She can barely stand up. She's talking like she's been up for three days on crack. And she's, I mean, granted, she's clean. Okay, I'll give her that. She, she looks like she's at least clean. But she really, the way she's acting and behaving, she looks like she's a crackhead. Okay, so she took a shower before she got there. Yeah, she, she's a crackhead that took a shower. But she just took a shot of this pineapple petrol. And she says, this is the sweet. And the guys are like, no, wait, wait, wait. You know, and she keeps dancing around and the camera guy can't even follow her. Okay, no, I mean, she is going nuts. Like ground control, the major Tom. We got a crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> now, here we go. Here we go. Nice. Nice. Can't even understand her. Okay, now you got this little guy that looks like Drake or some, some little trendy rapper. He comes up to the front, touches her, point of contact, mm-hmm. and now he's going crazy. He hasn't even sipped on the scissorp yet. Okay, he just poured it in his mouth. Now, he's falling out. It? He's bobbing. He's weaving. What in the world? Oh, stop, stop, stop. What was that? Okay, that is, we'll just say, subject number three. We'll just call her Trey. She comes up in her Sunday's best, and she's touching on these guy, this guy and girl who are going crazy right now. Okay. Now, now, mind you that the first girl, the crackhead chick we're talking about, she was already bobbing and weaving with demons before she even drank the pineapple juice. Then here comes this little trendy rapper looking dude with a hoodie, kind of pull back, you know, like one of those trendy hoodies with like the, the, the pattern prints on them, you know, right, right. you know, looking real trendy. And I can't tell if it's a guy or a girl because it's kind of blurry, but he's all bobbing and weaving as soon as he touches this other chick and then they pour it into his mouth. He starts flailing and then this other chick comes up, looks like somebody's mom and she gets up on the mic because she wants to take a sip. Now that's what you're about to hear. Man, these people are thirsty. Nice? Is it nice? Okay, now we have a lynch mob. Okay, and I don't, I don't mean that to be right racist at all. I mean, because I mean, we're dealing with you know. But I'm saying these people are lynch mobbing the pastor with the pineapple juice, trying they, to get a taste. They all just want a taste of that scissor. I mean, they are. I mean, they are out there like little baby birds in a nest, waiting on Mama Bird oh to drop goodness. the worm in their mouth. I mean, this they, is horrible. This is hysteria. This is hysteria. When you see this, this is mass hysteria. Now, let, let's go ahead and play it out. Is it nice? Okay. As soon as they taste it, they start acting drunk. They're flailing around, and we're talking about a lynch mob, folks. This is straight up mobbing. And they are all fighting to get to the front to get a drip drop. And as soon as they get that drip drop, he always says, Is it nice? He's you a know, nice my, man. My, my question is, I'm wondering if they, which, is it possible that they have the kundalini? Because we know the Holy Spirit ain't there. Okay. Oh, no, there's not even a fraction of the Holy Spirit here. If there was, uh, no. if there was somebody in this room filled with the real Holy Ghost, 
they would be up and they would be punching and they would be, <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's just be real for a second. Anybody filled with the Holy Ghost, they'd be turning the temple tables upside down right now. You know what I'm saying? Smack the so-called pineapple juice out of his hands. I just don't get, I, I, I think, I think what's happening is they're getting the Kundalini. This place is infiltrated and, and here's the deal. You know, there's a lot of debate about the Kundalini. But what we do know is that demons operate just like this. How do we know? Yep. Because we see this in other religions. Mm-hmm. And there is no Holy Ghost in other religions. Okay. Yep. Demons and demons and demons. But in, in Christianity, when you come to Christ, you get filled with the Holy Ghost. There, you know, and I'm going to say this, and I, I'm sorry if I offend you when I say this. It's not my intention. When you accept Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. You know, it keeps you. It doesn't make you act like you're out of control. No, you don't see that in the scripture. You don't see anybody wailing and flailing. Like those nope. little those little things they put outside of a car dealership. You don't see any of that. You, you don't see anything in the scriptures where people are are you know crip walking. <laughs> yeah, your boy uh, Squirrel Master, uh, Flash Master. Yeah, yeah Flash Master. <laughs> you know, crip walking and, and you know. Well, listen, we got just a little bit more on this video, and okay, go ahead. I don't let them let them, I, let them go ahead and I, run around and drink some pineapple juice. Go ahead, they making me thirsty. Let me drink some Canada Dry. How does it taste? It tastes sweet. <laughs> pineapple juice. Oh okay, God. okay. Okay, do y'all remember those videos? I'm sorry, I keep starting and stopping it. <laughs> do y'all remember those videos of Michael Jackson getting off an airplane? And like, yes. there would be like yes. a million people, people yeah. like squeezing each other and crying. I mean, mm-hmm. people would be crying for goodness sake because they see Michael Jackson getting off an airplane and they're crying. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening here. Wow. All these people, they're pushing and forcing their way to the front to get might a it, drop. Might it be they just don't get pineapple juice over there? I'm telling you, they probably got pineapple plantations over there. I don't think the soil supports it so much. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, the Jim Jones thing. I mean, do you think people went and fought for the Kool-Aid? I don't know. I mean, are they thirsty? They're thirsty for something, and they're getting just the opposite. Now, let me let me finish this. Okay. Okay, that was it. oh man okay now i got i I got some i got some thoughts on this and what (laughs) i'm like building it up like something big's about to happen and it's like (laughs) okay so basically um this reminded me of there are these churches that we we tend to see them in certain regions of the united states where they handle snakes and it's a it's a branch of pentecostalism and I'm not, I'm not criticizing all Pentecostals. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm just making a point. This is history. These churches are offshoots, and they're called the Snake Handlers. There was a TV show that came out, and some of you may have heard of it. It's called Snake Salvation. Yes. And a great show. Not that I agree with the content, but it was, a, I mean, it was a very interesting show. Very, just, it causes you to think and to compare what they're saying with Scripture. And it focused on these two different churches. They were, you know, little shoebox churches, real tiny out in the woods. And they would go out snake hunting. They'd go try to catch these, these wild, venomous snakes. And they'd bring them back in boxes. And then they would say, they would have these crazy so-called worship services where they're all going crazy and headbanging and jumping around and just, just, you know, very, just unorthodox in my opinion. Um, and as soon as they start acting wild and they say they're under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. they walk over there. They start pulling these giant venomous snakes out of the boxes. That they've cotton mouth. Cotton mouth, rattlers, pygmy rattlers, mountain rattlers, timber rattlers. Uh, and I know this because they'll even travel. One of them got fined because they'll go out of state and bring snakes into the state 
that they're not legally allowed to have in the state. Yep. And some of these things are the size of a, of a baseball. That's how big around they were. I mean, you were, I mean, some of these things were huge and it's totally satanic. It reminds me of a freak show, like a sideshow at a, at a, at a fair or a circus. Right. And, um, they're pulling these snakes out. And then you get to a certain point where they get under super anointing and they pull out two, three, maybe four of them. Now, anybody knows you got four snakes on your grill. I mean, you're basically inside of a den of vipers. Yes, you are. You make the wrong move and you are COL. That is crap out of luck. <laughs> um, anyway, so what's interesting, I mean, I could get into the drama and everything. I'm not going to get into all that of what took place in the show, but, um, they didn't just handle snakes. They had this other belief. They would go to the hardware store and they oh, would, yeah. they would buy big Cody was his name. Big Cody would go and he'd pick up a big old bag of industrial strength lye. Yeah, well, and what would he make? You know, uh, you know what lye is? Mm-hmm. You want to tell everybody what lye is? Well, let's just put it this way. He made a concoction called strychnine. <laughs> lye yes. is an industrial grade poison that's yes, used to kill rats. And they call it, when you mix it with a certain ingredient, it's called strychnine. That's right it's now. straight poison. Even, I remember hearing reports of people taking LSD years ago, and it had strychnine in the LSD. Mm-hmm. And it was causing people to have back pain and, and really freak out really bad because they were experiencing a little taste of death. That strychnine. It ain't nothing to play with. No. And so anyway, they're, they're, uh, one of the episodes, it shows Cody and, and his, uh, the pastor's son, who's a total jerk. And uh, they're standing out there at this table, and they're mixing up these big old mason jars. I mean, you'd think these were moonshiners. They're out there mixing up some drink. And then they interview them, and they come to find out they're mixing up poison. Can you guess what they're going to do with that poison, folks? They're going to have a big old Holy Ghost party, and they're going to be serving poison punch right there at the pulpit. Pineapple in one place, strychnine in another. That's right. You mix the two together, and you can have a real party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, um, they're drinking it. The big old Cody, and you know, big Cody looked like he was gonna have a heart attack anyway, just because of his, you know, his body Sorry. composition. But regardless, he's up there, and he he's very scared. But he comes under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and he drinks it. The scary thing is, is the I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this little quick part. The daughter of the pastor. She kind of, I guess she was going through a divorce or something, something real bad. And the parents were pretty much going to cut her off, shun her, excommunicate her from the church and the family, told her that she's not going to be under the anointing anymore. So anyway, in a nutshell, they finally get her to come back to church, right? They accept her back. And she was scared that she wasn't under the anointing. So she didn't want to hold that giant timber rattlesnake. Mm-hmm. Well, her dad calls her up and she starts crying and he pulls out this giant rattlesnake. I mean, vicious. Talk about being on it. It's the one that bites everybody. Yeah, exactly. This is the, <laughs> like the most feisty one of the bunch. And he pulls it out and he and you could see the fear in his eyes when he was carrying it to her. And she's freaking out. He lays it on her and she's crying. Now, I'm sitting back thinking she ain't crying because she's under the anointing. She's crying because her dad, who's being demonized, just put a giant four and a half foot giant rattler on her arm. And she knows she's going to die. She's like, I just know it. And and I got to say this, you know, Luke, Luke chapter four, verse 12. This is really the one that does it. And Jesus answered and said to them, uh, it is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. These people are doing just that. They're tempting God to try to prove a point yep. that they're anointed. That's it. That's, that's all it is. It's tempting that's, God. 
it's all it is, and, and trying to prove a personal point to make it seem like God is with them, you know, by by letting them handle these snakes. But if you get now, bit, though, if you get bit, that's a sign to you and the congregation that you were not under the anointing. That's the you know, major doctrine that they teach. I'm going to tell you what it's a sign of to me. You are stupid as can be. You're a special type of stupid. And you deserve it. I'm sorry. If you get bit by a poisonous snake in the church because you're handling them in a in a pagan ritual, you deserve it. And I ain't calling the ambulance. No, oh, but but they, no, they, they don't want you to call the ambulance because they no. they believe that you got to just sit it out on the bench. Like you oh, done, yeah. you know, you done something wrong and you got to pay for your sins. Who and, is that that got bit and his arms swole up so bad they thought he was going to die? He started sweating and his breath started getting short. And yeah, the snake, the guy that died of a snake bite. Now. Okay. He was the pastor. He was encouraging all the kids to drink the poison, encouraging them to hold the poisonous snakes. And he, of all people, you know, and he was, let me tell you guys, this goes right back to the book of James because the James talks about not all of you should be teachers. He's saying, don't, mm-hmm. don't all you run out and become teachers because you will suffer the greater condemnation. Yes. You know, as teachers, we are under a stricter judgment code because we are responsible for accurately handling and rightly dividing the word of God. Yes. And this guy, I believe that the Lord allowed this to happen. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to say it because I believe he played with fire so long and he was leading people down the wrong road. He was leading people down a pagan religion, calling it Christianity, testing the Lord thy God. And he got bit. And he's telling people, no, no, don't, don't call the, don't call the ambulance. It's okay. It's okay. And he starts getting lightheaded. He's not feeling good. They take him home. Finally, some family members start to freak out because of all the side effects and they call the, the paramedics and they come in and the guy tells them basically to get the heck out of my house. I'm going to, you know, the Lord's going to heal me because of my faith. And sure enough, the guy dies. And you know what? My dad used to always say, you know, my dad is, a re- well, he was a retired preacher. He's, he's gone now. Um, he pretty much said, he goes, listen, the pulpit is not a place for you to play. It truly isn't. There's going to be a lot of preachers and teachers, skull bones in hell because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Yep. And it's it's sad, but you have this going on. I'm going I'm to I'm bring a little bit of comic relief into this, even though it's not comical, but it is in a way because they're just stupid for doing what they're doing. I, I'm just going to put it out there. You know, um, I've been good this whole session. Just yeah, we've been know. we've been straight up laid back because usually yeah. when me and Mary get together. You know, we're we're shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, I've been real good, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm about to lose it because of the fact that that's just, I'm going to be honest with you. You come in a black church with some snakes, see what happened to you. See what happened to you. First of all, everybody's running out of there. And then if you come outside, we kicking your behind. Yeah. How dare you bring a snake in the church? We ain't calling the ambulance. Good for you. We're going to probably stand out there and pray for you. We'd be like, good for you. Shouldn't have brought it in in the first place. Ain't nobody tell you to bring that in the house. Anybody got time for that? Nobody got time for this. No, what happened though, um, there was a black church, and I'm not going to say the name of it, but pretty popular black church. And one of these knuckleheads comes in with a couple snakes. And he's handling the snakes, acting all crazy. And all the people start freaking out, jumping up on the pews, jumping up on their chairs. I mean, just freaking out. The ladies are taking their hats off and waving them around, just, you know. Going like crazy there. And you know, they got the fans. You know how black folks have the fans in church? Oh, yeah, yeah. We keep fans. Yeah, so they got the fans and they're trying to wave this guy off, right? And so finally, the big pastor walks up to the guy and goes, Excuse me, did Deanda get at you? 
And he said, what? The guy with the snake said, what? And the pastor says, did Deanda get at you? And the guy goes, Deanda? Deanda who? And the pastor said, Deanda his fist. Pow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Okay, okay. That was, that was stupid. I mean, but I, I got to say, you know, in a way, and again, because people are, it's no different of what what's going on in the hills of West Virginia where they do snake handling. Is no different than what went on in South Africa with drinking whatever it is they were drinking. Eating the okay, grass, eating the grass. Just a straight like a nut. The point of the matter is, is that both group of people think they're anointed. Both people think that they got whatever the will of God's going on and that that person is anointed to do what they're doing. They're both getting messages from demons working through that person and they're both persuading the audience to believe such things. This is just sending people straight to H E double L double hockey stick. They busting it. They busting hell wide open with these doctrines. People are willing to do anything if they're told that it's going to work. People hit rock bottom folks. They're willing to go anywhere and do anything, try anything. If they're told that there's some hope at the end of that practice. Mm-hmm. The candles, the lock of hair, the petrol that tastes like pineapple juice. Sweet. It is sweet. King Julian. No, I'm just kidding. This is a King Julian. <laughs> I mean, seriously, guys. I mean, it, this is unbelievable. Um, well, Mary, right. it is getting late over here. And uh, if we keep on. over here. So we both on the East Coast. What you talking about? It's late here, too. East Coast. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good night, Mary. And. Uh, We'll talk soon. All right. All right. Talk to you later. With all of this information brought to light, I want to move our focus into a topic that can truly affect everyone listening. This is a subject that, if handled improperly, can dictate our thoughts and actions and cause many spiritual issues. I want to talk about a high calling for every believer to be humble. On the surface, it sounds simple. And to a certain degree, it is. But it's deeper than some might realize. And it's a subject that we all need to understand from a biblical perspective. And we must realize that we are called and commanded to live a humbled life. Let me take you all to the book of Ephesians. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, tells us this. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now let me break this down. I want to break down the entirety of this command first, and then I'll get into the humility aspect. The word beseech in the beginning, it's a word that implies urgency. Paul was fervently urging us to grasp onto this biblical principle and commandment. He explains that as a follower of Yeshua, we are to walk in a way or live in a way that is worthy of our calling. But he then explains what characteristics will be present in our lives if we are truly living up to this standard. So as we go through this tonight, I want you to examine yourselves. I want you to recognize whether or not you're living up to your calling by God's standards. The first characteristic we see here is living with all lowliness and meekness. This means living a life of humility unto God. We're going to get deeper into that in just a minute. 
The second characteristic phrase we see here is forbearing one another in love. I'm instantly reminded of a person who has a student loan debt. The economy is bad and he or she can't get a job, which means they can't pay off their student debt. But they can apply for a forbearance, which provides a grace period or a period of patience where they aren't required to make any payments. Now, let's apply this to a spiritual matter. As Christians, we can get fed up with someone's personality or maybe their slowness to grasp certain biblical principles. Or there could be a number of scenarios where our wicks get short. We get short-tempered with our brothers and sisters. But in love, we should forbear them. Or more plainly said, we should show patience. How does this relate to humility? You see, when we start to get impatient with people, the first thing we need to realize is that in that moment, it's easy to place ourselves above that person. That is the opposite of being humble. I want you to think of a time where someone showed you patience and forbearance. You see, it takes true humility to be able to operate in real patience with other people. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't correct people. As a matter of fact, I believe in correction and discipline. I believe they're very important amongst the body of Christ. But in the midst of our dealings, we must be humbled and we must operate in love and forbearance. But the question arises, what does it mean to be humble? At what point am I missing the mark according to scripture? So let me break this part down and I challenge you to really think about this. The first thing we need to recognize, and it's the most important, is that the most powerful example of humility that was ever displayed was the humility that our Messiah lived and taught. Yeshua left his rights, his amazing heavenly home, his cosmic kingdom, and he humbled himself to become a man and live a life on this earth, walking among his creation. His whole life on earth was lived as a servant. He became lowly and meek for our sakes. He showed us and he continues to show us patience and love and extreme measures of forbearance. So where does the conflict come to play in our world? You see, humility is not very popular in our world today, is it? We're taught to pursue honor and recognition from a young age. When I was a kid, I remember stacking up trophies and awards, and I was taught by the system to be proud. Award shows and talent contests are among the most popular broadcasts on television. We seem to have prizes for everything and everyone. I may get in trouble for what I'm about to say, but I want to be totally transparent and clear about this. We live in a culture where every kid goes home with a prize. They go home with a trophy or a ribbon or a certificate. They say, oh, well, you didn't win, but you get honorable mention anyway. So here's your award. Your little league team came in last place, but here's a trophy that says 10th place winners. Little girls become cheerleaders without being in shape. There was a time when a cheerleader was chosen from the group of girls who were trying out. The ones who were overweight and non-athletic never made the cut. But nowadays, we see everyone getting a piece of the pie without putting forth any hard work. Now, you may be listening right now and think I'm being arrogant or judgmental, but in fact, it's the contrary. I see these things as social engineering to puff everyone up and to self-pride. I remember back in ninth grade, I was short, I was chubby, extremely out of shape, and I tried out for the high school baseball team. The tryouts were gruesome just gut-wrenching, we would run until we felt like we were going to throw up. 
I couldn't keep up with most of the guys as we ran laps around the field. I really wanted to make the team, but I wasn't good enough. But let me specify, I wasn't good enough because I hadn't prepared. So I got cut. I didn't make the team. But we're seeing the social changes taking place, conditioning everyone in our society to be prideful and filled with a false sense of achievement. This is all part of the social engineering to create a prideful culture. And it's just that, ladies and gentlemen. And let me remind you that pride was what Lucifer had in his heart when he wanted to puff himself up. He wanted to elevate himself up above the creator. And that's just not acceptable. That's the beginning of sin. You see, humility is an elusive quality. The moment you think that you're humble is the moment that you forfeit it. But humility is the heart of the worthy walk as Christians. That's why Paul listed it here first. No matter how elusive it is, we must keep striving for it. The Greek word for humility is a compound word. The first part means low. So in a metaphorical sense, it was used to mean poor or unimportant. The second part of the word means to think or to judge. When we combine the words together, to be humbled is to think of yourself as lowly or unimportant in the big scheme of things. Now, this doesn't take away that we are valuable to God. But when we begin to see ourselves as the bee's knees <laughs> and we forget that every gift and talent that we have is by the grace of God, we start to engage in prideful living. And it's an area of spiritual warfare that the enemy likes to use against believers because so many are vulnerable. And it's an easy area to fall into because of the social conditioning we've been subjected to. Now watch this. This is really interesting. The word humility never appears in classical Greek. It had to be coined by Christians down the road. You see, the Greeks and the Romans had no word for humility because they despised that way of thinking. They were a prideful people, focusing on power, achievements, athletics, and sports, and survival of the fittest. They mocked and looked down on anyone who was lowly or humbled. This rings so loud with our American culture, and even world culture for that matter. You want to see massive pride? Just look at sports fans, look at athletes for the most part, and the links that they often go to in times of games and championships. I could really go on about this all, but let me sum it up. In contrast, Christ taught the importance of humility and was our greatest example of that virtue. The exalted Lord Jesus was born in a stable. During his ministry, he never had a place to lay his head. He owned only the garments on his body. He washed his disciples' feet, doing the job of a slave. You can read about that in John chapter 13. When he died, he died on a cross, which was the worst type of death in the Jewish culture. And then he was buried in a borrowed tomb. I read a really cool historical account, and I wanted to share this with you as we close out another week. This really grabbed my attention. When the evangelical Moravians of Germany heard about the slavery that was going on in the West Indies, they were told that it was impossible to reach the slave population there because the slaves were separated from the ruling classes. So in 1732, two Moravians offered to go and be slaves on the plantations and teach other slaves about Christ. They toiled and they worked side by side with the fellow slaves. And the slaves listened to the gospel message because the two Moravians had humbled themselves. In a small way, that illustrates what Christ did for us. He humbled himself by becoming a man 
so that we could be saved. We need to come to that place in our daily lives where we humble ourselves to heed the calling that was bestowed upon us by our holy and righteous Creator. We were created for His glory, friends, and we were created to live a life worthy of our calling. So we must humble ourselves as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ Yeshua with the unbelieving world. Not going soft on sin by any means, but realizing that we are no better than anyone, and we must live a life that displays this example that was set by Jesus Christ Yeshua. Pride and arrogance can damage our ability to witness, and we need to be sensitive to that, and really examine ourselves daily, because we often allow some form of pride to enter in unaware. One of the great joys I have in this ministry is preaching to myself. You see, I find myself going through the same struggles and situations that I teach on each week. And I want you to know that we are in this together. Now just take a moment to ask God to reveal to you the areas of your life that need to be humbled. I know everyone listening, myself included, falls subject to this at some point in some area. This week, let's pray for God's divine grace to help us walk in a Christ-like humility as we grow each day in our walks with Jesus Christ Yeshua. If you're listening right now and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior, and you haven't accepted His holy sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, it's absolutely impossible for you to have a solid understanding of His Word. It's impossible to find protection from the demonic realm and the days that are fast approaching, friends. And furthermore, it's impossible to have peace with Yahweh Elohim, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua. But here's the good news. You can start anew right now. You can repent of your sins and have the wages of your sins paid in full. Now is the time to repent and turn away from your sins and make right with the will of God. You see, the Bible declares that we don't know what tomorrow holds, so we must take action with the time that we have right now. Repentance is the first step. This means turning 180 degrees from your past thoughts, actions, and lifestyles that are in opposition to the Most High God. Because of Jesus Christ Yeshua and His once and for all sacrifice, you can be forgiven of your iniquity and every sin you've ever committed. Yahweh is a jealous God, but He's also rich in mercy. And tonight, if you're willing to admit your wrongs and repent, He's willing to show you that mercy right now, friends. The wages of our sin is death, but tonight we can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. But as it says in Romans 6.23, only through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no other way to come to God, folks. There's no other way to get salvation. You can't earn your salvation by good works. Fact is, Jesus Christ is the only way. Every other way, folks, leads to hell. There's no authentic way to the Father but Jesus Christ Yeshua. I'm so thankful that God sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross, a living sacrifice, and shed His sinless and perfect blood to pay the debt of our sins and the ability to be seen as blameless before God on that day of judgment. Let today be the beginning of your communion and peace with God as you're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin putting on the armor of God and growing into an intimate relationship with Him. It's the will of God that you don't perish, but rather that you repent and enter into a relationship with Him based on His terms. 
If you're not sure of what God's terms are, I want to challenge you to start reading your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, get one and learn firsthand what God expects from you. Christ is our only hope, friends. And my prayer is that you believe on him tonight. That's the most important part of the show and by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in this life. Amen. It's been an interesting adventure tonight, and I hope you've all enjoyed this broadcast. If you ever miss a show or would like to go back and re-listen to an old one, every show is archived in high-quality streams on my website, fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com. That's the number 4-T-H-W-A-T-C-H-R-A-D-I-O.B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T.com. Fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com. There you'll find every broadcast dated and summarized for your convenience. Be sure to scroll all the way down on each page and click on the words Older Posts to be taken to more pages of archived shows. You can also find my shows broadcasted by the Fourth Watch Radio Network on Shoutcast, Spreaker, iTunes, or if you have an iPhone, iPad, or Android, you can download the Fourth Watch Radio Network app and enjoy easy streaming. For higher quality broadcasts, stay tuned in via fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com for all the latest shows. Like us on Facebook and feel free to add my personal page as well. If the Fourth Watch is ministered to you and you would like to help support this ministry, you can follow the link on our website. I bid you all a week filled with grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next week. God bless and good night. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on The Fourth Watch Radio Network.